your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 903, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle and I have You're Killing Me Smalls coming up in our next segment, plus Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Before we cross things over to Scoops with Danny Mack here in our 9 o'clock hour, we mentioned that Major League Baseball ownership has rejected the Players Association's proposal of a 114-game season and told the union it will not send a counteroffer. So the parties are deadlocked as they hope to start a 2020 season. That does sound ominous. It sounds like we aren't going to have a season. So we're going to spin it forward here. Jeff Passan of ESPN and ESPN.com. Where do the owners go from here? One owner this week said, we're going to play baseball. And I think his perspective was more like, okay, if the union doesn't come to play here, we're just going to tell them this is what you have to do. We're going to set a schedule and you're going to abide by it. And in truth, Scott, there's nothing that the union can do about that in terms of, say, a strike. No. Can't do it. It would be an illegal strike. It would be against the collective bargaining agreement. It would be overturned immediately. Individual players going and saying, I'm not going to do this. If if I was scheduled to make $563,500, the league minimum this year, you already cut that in half for missing half of the season. And now you want to end up paying me $180,000 or $200,000 to go out and play baseball? great amount of money don't get me wrong but i'm not sure that young players want to do that the the problem is the players backs are against the wall right now which is tough you know because they might have to make a deal that they didn't intend on making however i think what jeff said at the first part of the cut is where the players need to come together and say okay if if we are going to have to settle in this one sector of this agreement then we need to make sure that we take control and command what we need in the others whether it's amount of games played, postseason, etc. And the one piece that the players have, the one chip that they have in negotiations, is that in that March agreement, they didn't really talk about a postseason. Now, they do have one thing, at least, in their advantage. And that is, the playoff format is not part of that March 26th agreement. Major League Baseball wanted to expand from 10 to 14 teams in the playoffs this year. If they don't have a deal with the players, there's absolutely no way that the players are going to okay a playoff expansion. And that's, you know, tens, hundreds, potentially millions of dollars that they would lose out on by having expanded playoffs. Now, the regular playoffs, as they are presently constituted, 
require Fox to pay baseball, Fox and TNT, and all of the partners, $777 million. Oh, is that all? Yes, but the expanded playoffs apparently would add $223 million and get it up to a billion. So that's that's something. Yeah, if you're the owners, that's something that you should logically want since their primary interest seems to be money. Which is why it's astounding to me that we're hearing reports that are some owners that would not want a piece of that billion dollar pie that they would feel comfortable sitting out a season because they don't want to concede to the players that is a i mean it's revenue it's, it's money that is being generated for your sport and that you're profiting off of i wonder if they're just trying those owners that are unnamed that are apparently claiming yeah i'd rather not play a season I wonder if they're just trying to play tough guy and get a player to read that and say, oh, man, if he's willing to not play a season. But I wonder if they're really in their heart of hearts would do that. If it is a waiting game, they will certainly wait longer. And here's one part of this. I believe if the the owners implement a 50-game season unilaterally and there is no negotiation because they're allowed to do that, if they can do it, why? Because we can. Mm-hmm. I think we can almost guarantee that there will be a strike in 2022. That's, that's just no way to build a bridge between yourselves as the owners and the Players Association. And the players are going to be ticked. And even though... They don't have many chips to give back because they gave them all in the last negotiation. The one chip they do have is not playing. And they do have a huge war chest built up in the event of a lockout or a strike for 2022. True. Gosh, I can't even imagine this continuing. I'm so fatigued by it already. To think that this could extend for a few more years in in this manner and affect baseball in this way is... It's so hard to process. And you know what's crazy to me, too, is that we've we've been talking about this for weeks. It's almost as if we've forgotten that we're still existing in a pandemic. Right. And that there is still a lot of things that need to go right if and when the players come back from a health and safety standpoint. And I just I, I, I think baseball has a lot of chips that they have stacked against themselves, not to mention once they overcome those obstacles, those self-created obstacles, there's still a lot of obstacles placed before them from outside forces that they're going to have to overcome for this to work. Dick Vermeil had a term, a phrase. He always said, the main thing is the main thing. And it's pretty simple. For for him, it was, hey, it's our players, it's about winning football games. Right now, in the midst of a pandemic, the main thing should be the health and safety of everybody in the industry, whether it's owners, front office people, players, managers, coaches. That should be the main thing. And the main thing should be the main thing. And then DV's point was, all the other stuff is ancillary. It's secondary. We can get that taken care of. The money, they did make $10.7 billion last year. That should be secondary and something that should be much more easily overcome than dealing with the issues of the pandemic. And I know that they had discussed the health and safety guidelines and all of these proposals. I know that that's something that that players have expressed concern about and has certainly been addressed. But there's still a lot of questions, I think, with how is this going to operate? How is the main issue here going to be executed? Mm -hmm. And I just hope that they didn't overlook some of those questions or put some of those very valid and important concerns on the back burner to focus on the money part of this. Because as we have talked about many weeks prior, when we actually were talking about health and safety and from a virus standpoint and a pandemic standpoint, how they were going to let this or how they were going to actually execute this, 
if they were to all come back, finally all come back, and then something happens, someone tests positive from a health and safety standpoint, and they didn't properly flush out everything they needed to with these negotiations because they were more focused on money, it's going to be a disaster. And you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. does test positive. And getting back to the money aspect of things, Matt Weiner told us that Adam Silver listens to Michelle Roberts from the NBA Players Association and to Chris Paul, who's the president of the association. Jesse Rogers of ESPN on the thoughts of players towards Major League Baseball. Maybe they don't have a lot of cash, but here's the thing. The players don't care. A certain amount of players may not believe them, but I think even if a majority do believe them, they just don't care. That's not on them to figure out, meaning the players. The owners have to figure this out. Ricketts mentioned in that article that they've already borrowed to get through part of this season. Well, maybe they need to borrow some more. So that's the divide here. The players just don't care if the owners don't have cash, whether they believe them or not. And essentially what they're saying is, I I might play for three or four years, or I have my contract. You're going to pay my contract. I really don't care about the future of the sport. You take care of me now. Right. And I understand that thought process. Hey, I've earned this. You take care of me. It's not my fault that you may have extended yourself financially to build this this entertainment sector of Wrigley Field. It's not my fault that you need to borrow money. I get it. But there but that's the problem is both sides are looking at this from a selfish standpoint. And at some point they're going to have to look at this as part of a collective. Right. They are collectively major league baseball. You can't keep looking with blinders on at your sole focus and your sole, sole, sole goal, if I could get the words out, because it's not going it's not going to work. You're going to have to come to a compromise. It seems ultimately like the other sports who interestingly all have salary caps are all involved in authentic partnerships and, between players and owners. And the baseball players and owners are as far away from having a partnership as you could possibly be. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's your big thing. Today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. going to get to you're killing me smalls but we obviously love all of us love our listeners we love you you're like we said earlier your family to us and we thank you for being with us every morning and uh, joshua you hear his voice on mic drops and he sends us texts and he is one he listens all the Mm -hmm. time and just sent some schnooks cookies over and sent us a very very nice card it is the sweetest thing the kindest gesture thank you so much joshua and you know randy you and i come in here and we talk and we just aim to put a smile on people's faces when we're not talking about baseball negotiations and all <laughs> the the terrible things happening in the world but it's it's fun for us right and we're just in this room you colin and i and free spots on the board we forget how many people listen and how many people are doing this with us every day because we can't tangibly see them so for somebody like joshua to to be along the ride with us and Danny Mac every day, who he includes in the card, and to take the time out of his day to do something for us was so kind, and I just want to thank him so much. Yeah, that was extremely nice, and we appreciate that, and we always appreciate your mic drops via the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, and you can always send us a text as well on the uh, Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You're killing me, Small! 
Nailed it. Randy, I have the headline of all headlines for you. I need you to buckle up because there's a lot to unpack here, okay? Spanish porn star Nacho Vidal, who likes to advertise his aromatic candles shaped like male genitalia on Twitter, has been arrested on manslaughter charges following a man's death during a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. There is a lot to unpack there. Okay, so... You want to break this down? Do you want me to give you more details from the story? uh, Let's hear a detail or two. (laughs) Okay. So, Nacho Vidal, this porn star from Spain, as we uh, mentioned, he was arrested on manslaughter charges. Uh, They were doing this mystic ritual in which... This man inhaled psychedelic toad venom in July of 2019. He's been detained in Valencia, and it was kind of a celebration of the of some sort of mystic stuff. But the venom was from the Buffal alvaris toad, which is a rare species, uh, which is from northern Mexico into Arizona. And this venom contains a very powerful natural psychedelic substance. But he's he's locked up for this. So this is not connected to the genitalia-shaped candles. <laughs> Can confirm. So he wasn't smelling the genitalia-shaped candles, and that's why he died. The, the frog venom was not in those. So that's good to hear. Uh, number one, I like the name Nacho Vidal. You know, it sounds like a great wrestling name. It really does. You know. Number two, just from my... Overall, and I don't have a uh, a nuanced or detailed observation, but I'm just look, thinking big picture here. When I've watched news stories over the past or heard news stories, I don't hear male porn star names. So to have a male porn star name and have him be able to sell genitalia-shaped candles. Aromatic. Aromatic genitalia-shaped candles. That actually tells me that... He must be good at what he does. He got it. So I give Nacho credit for that. But that being said, I don't think that once you... It's kind of like baseball and performance enhancers. Once you start dealing with poisonous frog venom... I think you're starting to play with fire because somebody could die, and apparently they did. Well, and if you read the story on Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Finance is really They're churning out all the yeah. he- all the headlines. Drew yeah. Brees, Nacho Vidal. Yeah, shout out Yahoo Finance for the content. But they talked about how investigators discovered rituals like this, these mystic rituals with this toad venom, have been carried on regularly, and people say they offer medicinal benefits, etc., but... As the as the official said, in reality, this apparently harmless ancestral ritual actually poses serious health risks, luring people who are easily influenced, vulnerable, or who are seeking help for illnesses or addictions using alternative methods. Okay, I was wondering if it had anything to do with his profession and was kind of a PED for him. So, no, it's something different. This is probably more of a religious thing for him rather than a professional thing. Um, Also, here's the description of Vidal in the Yahoo Finance story. He's a media-savvy porn star in his mid-40s whose Twitter feed is full of ads for his 25-centimeter aromatic candles of the male genitalia available in three different colors. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) I would say so. What do you think uh, the scent of the candles is? Yeah, probably uh, not great. <laughs> um, not great. But good for Nacho.
Well, not uh, good for Nacho for part of what happened there, but not the other part. Uh, not getting murdered and killing a guy, apparently. Or causing uh, somebody to pass away because of toad venom. Yeah, while we completely are not on board with that part of this, I do give him props for expanding his brand, you he's know? He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> he's really promoting himself out there. Yeah. And he's in his 40s. You know, I did watch a documentary once on the shelf life of a porn star because I don't really know anything about that industry. It was a very sad documentary. But basically, they're saying the shelf life of a female porn star is essentially three months. Wow. Mm-hmm. That you, there's so many people that want to get into this industry that you, you do a few films and then it's like a quick decline to where you're involved in it and then you're out the door. Wow. So for someone like Nacho to understand that, that he has a short shelf, shelf life well, and expand it, never mind. <laughs> expanding, yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 did, I, I saw a documentary too and for male porn stars, Viagra was like a game changer. Really? Yeah. That's why he's, never mind. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Let's move on. You're killing me, Small. Shout out Jim Edmonds, Randy. According to page six, Jim Edmonds is expecting his first grandchild. All right, Jimmy Baseball. Congratulations. It's our guy. Yes, he uh, revealed the news as part of a series of photos from his trip to California to visit his two older children and his daughter, Lauren, expecting a baby. Good for him. That's good to hear. I'm surprised that he's in page six. Usually when I hear about him these days, it's at Us Magazine or People Magazine. One Either of those one. two. Either one. Yeah. They they have a pipeline into his life somehow. But somehow. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm glad that he has uh, a grandchild on the way. Good for him. Great news. You're killing me, small. So we know, Randy, that Carolina Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley retired. But good news, he's considering a front office job as a pro scout. He is a football guy through and through. He should be a scout and might ascend to a general managership because he is such a smart football guy. The one concern you have is that he had to retire because of concussions. And we've seen the dramatic effects that concussions can have long term on players. Hopefully he's okay and he got out at the right time. But... I really admire those guys that make a ton of money like he did, but just love the sport so much they want to stay with it. For sure. Luke Keekley seems, for all intents and purposes, a great guy. Like you said, a football guy, a great teammate. So it would be great to see him involved in the game in one way or another. And I don't wonder if Andrew Luck at some point will return to professional football in some manner. I would think that he will. He grew up around it, and I'm sure that he has passion for it. The, when you brought that up, the name that came to mind immediately for me is a guy we know, James Laurinaitis. Oh, yeah. Who, he has to be around football. There's just nothing. It's it's part of his being. There's nothing else that fulfills him like football does. He's doing, um, I believe, some great media stuff in Columbus. He is, mm-hmm. and doing Big Ten Network and spending a lot of time talking football. He's What a good human being he is. And is anyone in St. Louis surprised that James Laurinaitis and Chris Long would go on to be in the media? No, not at all. Those guys just fit the bill, and I'm sure that at the end of his career, whenever that might come, Johnny Hecker will wind up in the media too. I mean, he already was in the media. Yeah, had a show here. Show here on 101 I think I tried to have him do a show uh, in L.A. too. I don't know if he wound up doing it, but I know that was the original plan. Hmm. He and Danny, but Danny's not with the organization anymore. <laughs> For various reasons. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. You're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We are going to talk to our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, and he's going to talk about what the Blues roster might look like. He's got a piece up at The Athletic. 
and the Blues uh, playoff roster is going to be interesting next on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our buddy Jeremy Rutherford is with us now on 101 ESPN. Jared, great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, real good, real good. Good to be here. All right, I want to start with this. You have a great piece up at The Athletic about what the Blues might look like once they come out of this pandemic and presumably in Vegas. And obviously we don't have any final ideas, but it seems pretty easy to me, and I I got the impression that it was for you, to put together a general lineup for the Blues. It really was, and uh, we have other writers in other cities putting together uh, their rosters and their taxi squads, and I looked at a few of those, and it seemed a lot more complicated, uh, Randy. Uh, they had uh, several guys out with injuries, guys who were injured uh, prior to the shutdown and still won't be back, uh, but as I looked at the Blues roster, you really just had uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, of course, out since October. He'll be ready to go, and then Oscar Sundquist had a uh, shoulder injury, had missed some time prior to uh, the shutdown, but was uh, still playing. And, of course, he's 100%. So you look at the Blues uh, roster, and you can basically put together uh, that same lineup that we've seen for a long time. Jerry, are there any glaring obstacles you think in front of the Blues, other than the obvious of getting back into playing shape and the fact that there's not going to be fans, all of these things that every team is dealing with. But when whenever Randy and I talk about the Blues' chances if and when hockey returns, it really seems like anything that we might be concerned about them, they've already overcome it this past season in one way, shape, or form. So I don't know if I'm being too confident about the Blues' chances or if they really are that great of a team. Yeah, no, I agree with you and I, and I totally understand what you're saying. I think uh, we could probably all use a little caution, myself included, because, you know, I've answered, uh, you know, similar question in terms of saying, look, hey, they've handled so much in the last year, the coaching change, uh, everything that happened during the playoffs and came out of it unscathed and and look what they did. And now they have that to uh, rely on. But this is just something that's so different. You know, you mentioned a few things, uh, no fans, uh, going to a different city, playing all the games in one city, being away from your family. Uh, The Blues haven't seen anything like this. No one has. So I think it's difficult for me anyway to lump all that into one category and say, hey, because they came back after the hand pass, they can really handle all this stuff. You know, this is going to be different. Seems like they do have the advantage, though, in that, and you're around the team when they're playing on a regular basis. Not that other teams aren't competitive, but there seems to be a a different level of competitiveness for this Blues team, the most athletic teams that I've been around. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's uh, in part what Michelle is saying is just that these guys just have something. And and I agree with that 100%. I agree that uh, when these guys get back together at the Centene, and, and hopefully we'll hear some news soon on those small group practices uh, beginning, the league was uh, close to a decision on, on when that was going to happen. Look, they're going to come back, and they're going to be excited. We talked to Robert Thomas the other day on our podcast, uh, and he couldn't wait. And then uh, as training camp begins in July, cross your fingers, uh, the rest of the team are going to come in. And I know that all teams are going to reassemble and and they're going to say, hey, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, But there's just something with the Blues. They just seem to have an even keel about what needs to get done. And then, as you said, uh, just so competitive. So I really do like their chances from that standpoint. 
JR, I asked Bernie Federico this, and he's kind of in the same boat as us where he didn't know. And I know that you are constantly talking to people, and you may not know the answer either, but I certainly want to ask. You know, you had Gary Bettman come out and say, hey, we're taking a step forward. These are some of the things you can expect if and when hockey returns. And it felt like the NHL took a massive step towards progress, towards actually getting a concrete date that we could all say, hey, this is when hockey's going to return. But then we really haven't heard anything since then. And I don't know how to interpret that silence. Part of me thinks I should think the fact that they're not talking means they're talking behind the scenes and hopefully that means they're ironing out all the details and the next announcement we're going to hear is a is a hard and firm date hey this is when hockey's returning but then i think should i be nervous that we're not hearing anything publicly (laughs) does that mean that there might be some hiccups that they might not overcome so where do you stand on that well i think it's a valid question i just think that they got out everything that they needed to get out uh during the gary bretman press conference and that was a situation where that was weeks and weeks and weeks of work that that was finally announced publicly we had heard bits and pieces throughout but finally through uh, gary bettman's voice we heard what the playoff format was going to look like you know i've been saying other people have been saying for a couple weeks now that doesn't mean a hundred percent that there's going to be hockey they still have challenges they still have a lot of things that they have to get through you know you talk to the players they're still worried about what that bubble is going to look like can they come and go can family come out there there's a lot still to get through so i think what they did is they got that portion of what they wanted to say out and now they're going to continue these negotiations, like you said, kind of talking behind the scenes. But, I, you know, the next thing is to announce the small groups phase two. That should come any time now. And then we may not hear anything uh, for a while after that until tiny camp starts. So I think they're being uh, very measured, very careful. And if you notice, all these dates that they're putting out, they're saying, you know, around that time, early June, maybe early July. They're uh, purposely not setting themselves up uh, to be in a corner in terms of, hey, you said this. JR, there's an interesting piece up at The Athletic by James Myrtle about how, and I, I never thought of this, how perhaps a summer playoff could become the new normal because there's less to compete with. You don't have to compete with the NFL and uh, the NBA during the course of the summer, and you could play the Stanley Cup in August. What do you think the viability of that would be? Starting the season maybe in January and wrapping up in August where your only real competition during uh, May, June, well, let's say July and August especially, would be baseball. Is there any way to cast my vote against it? I like the summers. Well, <laughs> I, I like a sport on ice being in the winter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the biggest thing to me when, when uh, you read Myrtle Peace and you answer the question here is that, you know, to me, yeah, maybe you could uh, uh, play hockey in uh, later October, uh, but I don't know about pushing it back until uh, January. I think that uh, hockey, uh, we get excited for it, you know, October, November, December, throughout the holidays, all those holidays games over the years uh, with the St. Louis Blues. But if you step back from your feelings and tradition, you look at it and you say, wow, it does make a lot of sense because you're uh, competing with less. Uh, but to, to me, I think, uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of different things because the way uh, this has all changed the landscape of sports. Uh, I don't know that you could get the players to agree with that. So I think it's a situation where there would be so much negotiation uh, before that was even possible. And to me, it would be uh, hard to believe that you could convince the players to play in the summer. Sure. And, and, and you look at the ice, too, the ice conditions. Uh, we're going to find out a lot Good point. Uh, during these pods what the ice is going to look like during uh, the 100-degree temperatures in Vegas. 
Sorry to jump you there, Jr. But thanks no. for adding that extra point there. Very important. Uh, so we're doing the the play Gloria feature here on 101 ESPN, where we're playing the games, the the great Blues games as we relive their path to their first Stanley Cup championship. And tonight we're playing Game Five, where the Blues walked away with a victory. And I was reading again about that game, and Randy and I were talking in the break. So many things during that run. There were so many storylines that, as you're reliving it, you remember that you have forgotten. There's so many storylines that you've forgotten more than you've remembered. And I completely forgot about the tripping penalty, the air quotes tripping penalty in that game and how upset Boston and Boston fans were after that. And you you had members of, of the Bruins and their coach coming out and saying that they thought it, it was uh, because Craig Berube had been vocal about some of the calls that were made er- earlier in the series. So they thought maybe calls were going their way. Just what do you remember from that game and the way that Boston reacted to that to that tripping penalty, air quotes? Yeah, I do, I do remember it. And, and that's, uh, you know, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about all these uh, memories, you know, hand pass, and every time there's a game, it seems like there's something to remember it from. And uh, you know what? That tripping—that's the first time I've thought about it. You know, since the series, <laughs> that's how many. That's how long this list of things that happen uh, is because uh, that was really significant, and, and you really don't uh, pay much attention to it. But but yeah, Tyler Bozak, I believe on on the trip there, Boston's up in arms. The fans are up in arms. You know, uh, Craig Bruby, as you mentioned, had been saying that uh, we're getting penalized a lot. And we weren't we weren't penalized a lot the first three rounds of the playoffs. So uh, it's a situation where it was just like a soap opera back then. But uh, you, you know, you, you you win that game, and then you come home and and you lose Game Six, and now you got to go back to Boston. To me, there were just so many turning points in that series, uh, and that's definitely one that gets overlooked. And tomorrow night, the Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup here on One Hundred One ESPN. <laughs> Randy, spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm just that's my prediction. I'm they call to be Vegas positive. and make a make a bet here. Yeah, no doubt about it. JR, it's always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. It's always fun. Thanks a lot. See you later. That is our buddy Jeremy Rutherford. You can read his great work at The Athletic. And if ever there was a sports outlet to subscribe to, it is The Athletic because they've kind of taken the uh, the sports world, sports media world by storm. They're doing a better job than anybody. The only negative about The Athletic is that there's so much content that you want to consume and you don't have enough time to consume it. Anytime I go onto that website to read any article from any of our local teams, there's inevitably another headline I see out of market that I'm interested in. And then you go down this rabbit hole and they're just producing so many incredible stories there and a lot of information as well. So it's, it's definitely a great thing to invest in. We are going to head down the stretch of this edition of Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to Dan McLaughlin as we head toward Scoops with Danny Mack next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. with Danny Mack is coming up in the 10 o'clock hour here on 101 ESPN. Then Rivs and BK from 11 to 2 and then the Fast Lane. Are they still having their beef with the Riz show? The Fast Lane from 2 to 6 with Anthony Stalter, Brad Thompson, and Chris Ranji. I believe so. I think the last time we discussed it since then, um, I not only have heard the Ranji threats and had a text exchange with him, Anthony Stalter did send me a, a very Italian like, hey, 
I got my eye on you type text. Ooh, so no. Yeah, yeah. And I respected it. So I'm not going to say a lot on this issue. But I will say this, that I did see a Fastlane video where the Riz show had done pull-ups to kind of show that, their yeah. athletic prowess. And then the Fastlane responded. So I think they're still going back and forth a little bit here. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard is it's going to be called uh, the the Rizlympics. Rizlympics. Into yeah. it. So, but that tells you who's in charge, right? Exactly. It's not the Fast Lane Olympics. It's the, the Rizlympics. Uh, Danny Mack is going to get a microphone. Hold on. Let's, let me give Dan a microphone. He's, Danny Mack and I both have cardinal masks, and uh, we're trying to be responsible people and exhibit personal responsibility to our fellow man. Oh. For sure. And uh, you do that by wearing a mask. So we both have cardinal masks. Guys, I need to apologize. No worries. I was hanging out thinking that you were still in a segment to go to break and waiting. So I was just checking out the wall. There's the wall. some really nice pictures. I was going to say, what did you see yeah. on the wall? I saw you. Me on the wall? Yeah, there's a picture of you and uh, a bunch of people from the various stations, I guess. Go down. When you come out of here, go left, and it's about 10 feet down, and you guys look to be at like some kind of on stage at some oh, event. I know what that was. That was Championship Bash, where yeah. Murphy Lee and Kiwan performed. That's what it was. From the St. Lunatics. That yes. was actually the very first event that I went to when we announced that I was coming back. Oh, awesome. What? Oh, and Randy, I'm so sorry. Randy was also on. <laughs> Randy, but see, Randy, you were the headliner. You know, I just assumed that everyone knew that you were also rapping on stage. Sorry about that. Else I would have been in here on time I, I don't like to leave people hanging you're good randy what song did you rap what the hook on be what, what the hook could be yeah i remember that was randy, so bad randy it was Murphy. that was awful it really was <laughs> and then you guys played it on the station a bunch and do you have any rhymes that you want to break out now Ooh, i'm not thinking about it right now you sure no i'm hurt now you, you tell me my stuff is awful it oh. was i but in in a loving way I, I, it's look honesty is the best policy. It is. And I'm just being honest. It was bad. I will tell you this. And Michelle, Michelle knows mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. I can uh, spit some quality words. Rhymes. Up. Yeah. Bars. That's what I do. You're but down I, with the kids. I'm not a freestyler, though. No. I, that makes sense. Okay. He is very intentional with his lyrics. Yeah. Uh, Dan, did you know that Randy from the Main Streets of, of Creevecore yeah. actually has a rap alter ego, Rand DMC? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I do. I bet uh, the family's really, really proud of that one. So yeah, I get to see Patrick. Hey, dog, Rand DMC, so get on over here, bro. If, did, yeah, they do. Yeah. Did you notice in that picture that I'm wearing an oversized <laughs> jersey and a backwards cap? I love it. <laughs> You're just with the kids, man. Yeah. You're just blending in, you know. It's, it's all good. That's who I am. That's how I roll. It's all good. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that you can make fun of yourself. I make fun of myself all the time. Oh, yeah. That's what Tim McCarver has been so good in so many ways for me learning about broadcasting. It's okay to say you're wrong. Like, he always says, I would do this, and this is why I do it. And then and, and he goes, I was dead wrong. Wrong. <laughs> you know, and, and he said, I'm just wrong about that. And then he'd say something, and I'd say, no, no, that was actually Joe Blow. And he's like, oh, all right, well, I'm wrong. I like Joe Blow, too. You know, I mean, he just kind of goes on with it and rolls with it. It's great. One thing about this business, especially when you're high profile like yourself or Tim, at the highest level, you're giving me a lot of credit here, Randy. But no, I appreciate that. You're you're excellent, but well, I can just put it in this perspective. Every for 150 games a year, Dan McLaughlin is the host of the number one show on St. Louis TV at night. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So so a lot of people hear your voice, and a lot of people because we live in a world that has 
a negative slant now and then. Uh, you, <laughs> now and then. That's very well put. Yeah. Very kind. <laughs> Thank you. So you, my point is you have to have a thick skin because yeah. not you everybody do. is going to love what you do. And Tim is the perfect example, Tim and Joe, because they just get hammered. And it's only because they've been around and management people have found them to be so good for so long. But people said they they can't figure out anything bad about what he says they just don't want to hear him yeah, tim has um gotten to the point I, I also think when you make the kind of money and have been in it a long time you get to the point where you're just like the hell with it i, I don't care what they think i don't care what they say i do a good job i do the best i can and that's good enough because i can look at myself in the mirror and be happy with how i prepared um and I, I'll say stuff like that to Tim. He's like, I don't give a, you know, like that when we're having dinner or something. We go to dinner all the time. And that is, there's a lot of things I've picked up from him that have been great. Um, I think when I first started, I was 23 when I did my first major league game. And I don't know in this day and age if I could have made it through it. I, I really don't. Because the social it, media era? Yeah, it it was... There was a lot of sleepless nights. There was a lot of heartache. Because you take things personally. Took it really personally. I mean, a lot of stuff. And whether people liked me or not, it didn't matter. It was just I was a young guy and who, you know, this isn't Jack. This isn't Mike. This isn't Joe. Who is this guy? Who's this Mm snot-nosed punk? You know, having no idea who I am or what I'm about or where I'm from and my values or whatever. Um, and that's, I, I just think for a young broadcaster being affiliated with a team, man, it's, it's really tough. And one other thing that you had to deal with and I, I would go on social media to try to correct people, was was it a blues producer, Tom, oh, McLaughlin? Tom McLaughlin? Tom McLaughlin so, is the guy that hired me at Fox Midwest. But you have no relation to him, he right? He spells but, his name differently right. and has passed oh, away, wow. and, and I have no relation to him, none. But people thought you had that job because yes. of him. Yes, and people were like, oh, well, that's your dad. I'm like, no, I, I we're totally different people, yeah. and believe me, we were really different people. <laughs> He was the guy that gave me my job. Did I ever really tell you how no. this happened? So a friend of mine was working at Fox Sports, and I was doing the work at KMOX. And I was on the air, as you know, when I was 20 at mm-hmm. KMOX. So I was doing the intermissions and stuff and weekend sports. So my voice was out there a little bit. And um, and she said, hey, you need to go meet with this guy, Tom McLaughlin, and tell him that you want to get into TV. I said, I don't want to do TV. And she says, no, you really want to do some TV. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll go meet with them. And they were just starting to do like the Joe Micheletti show from down at the Clarion Hotel or something like mm-hmm. that. And they needed a guy to do some features. So I roll in there and I said, how you doing, Mr. McLaughlin? I'm, I'm Dan. He says, you got to be bleeping me. He goes, you're Dan McLaughlin. He goes, I listen to you. I thought you were a 45-year-old man. <laughs> and he grabs a card, puts a an editor and a, a cameraman, their number and their name, and threw it at me. He threw it at me. And he said, you have five features. You got five to show me what you can do. Now get the bleep out of my office right now. He said, I don't want to talk to you. Get out. And so the first feature I did was on Jack Buck because I had a relationship with Jack. And Jack was just incredible in his answers. And I got the, uh, the editor that I went to is one of the most talented editors in the country. Does a ton of corporate videos, but would dabble in sports as entertainment for him. And he made this beautiful, beautiful piece on Jack Buck. And it, it, we had a mic on him during the game, so we're inter, inter, you know, splicing in his calls and being behind the scenes. 
And a sidebar to that story was I was playing basketball at the YMCA in Kirkwood every day. And he, there was, Mike Shannon says, and bite about Jack. I don't mean to go too long on no, this, this but great. he says, um, I said, what's it like working with Jack? And he says, well, Jack's so talented, he can read his mail on the air and still do the play-by-play. So um, in the it's, it's like an act of God. So we have this camera on Jack, and sure enough, he's got a pile of mail, and he reaches back, he goes, and that's ball one, and I have a letter here from Allison Andrews, and Allison is nine years old, whatever she was, and blah, 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 blah. Well, it wound up being the father of... Allison that I play basketball with and that got read on the air and wanted that feature and he said it's the most meaningful feature that we have in our family that Jack Buck read it not only read her letter because we weren't sure if he's going to read the letter reads it on the air and you're the guy that captures the moment I mean how cool is that that's great that's amazing just little things like that that you realize the impact of to the greater point of what we're talking about a baseball coming back those are the kind of things that we miss and I want to take you behind the curtain a little bit because one of those features was on uh, former Blues goalie Jamie McLennan, who had a near-fatal illness, and Dan gets this really dramatic, sad piano music, and... So Dan, <laughs> Dan calls me after he runs this feature, after this feature runs. He said, did you see that? And I said, yeah. He said, what'd you think? And I said, I'm sitting here crying. He said, good. I wanted it to be a tearjerker. <laughs> I wasn't worried about Jamie. I wanted the ratings. I mean, of course. what the hell? Hey, you know? I mean, what do you think Ronaldo does? How has Ronaldo gotten so exactly. successful? He makes you cry. So I was so young and naive that one of the features I did was being a backup goaltender, and it was a different goaltender, and I played Pressure by Billy Joel. And so the entire feature was like four minutes long with Billy Joel with licensed music, and Tom McLaughlin is in the truck, and he says, what have you done? We're going to get sued. And then they come back on camera with me, and it looks like you could not put anything up, you know what, and I'm like... And that was the feature on, you know, Freddie Brathwaite, and we'll be back with more, I hope. You know, it was unbelievable. It was great. But he did say, he goes, by the way, I did love the feature, but don't use licensed music. I said, okay, I got it. I got it. That's that's the background of some of this stuff. That's how it got started. Yeah. And now here you are today doing uh, Scoops with Danny Mac on one of ESPN. I, I have Ricky and Keel coming up. Um, I think this could be fun because one of the things I want to ask him is that, and I um, will tell Rick this, is that I've been critical of Scott Boris in the fact that I get that why he's vocal in this process. He's got a lot of interest in making sure players get paid in full because that means he's going to get more money. And he negotiated over a billion dollars of salary last offseason. But why is he such a great agent? Um, what players are doing now? down in Florida, because a lot of them live where Rick is at, so maybe we can get into some of that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's a really interesting soundbite that I found uh, from a league executive in Major League Baseball, and I thought he summed up what's going on properly. So, get into that a little bit, too. And I mentioned to Michelle earlier, this is the one-month anniversary of our shows of wow. Scoops with Andy Mack and uh, Carriker and Smallman. We've been here a month. Do we want to look at the ratings after a month? They're good. Are they? Yeah, yeah we, we got them yesterday. Yeah, we got an email yesterday. 
How come I wasn't on the email? My, my, my ratings well, must be only, horrible. Say, we can only speak for ourselves. Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot. You're a real good team member there, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll have a that. terrible day. Thank Brandy, you. you have a great day. <laughs> Thank you, Danny Mac. You think about what you're going to say will. to me tomorrow, Michelle. I will. I'll come back with a formal apology. You have a great day, too. <laughs> great job by our producer today, Tommy Freeze Pops Carroll. Thank you, my man. Thanks, guys. We'll talk tomorrow. Colin Surrey doing a great job uh, with uh, the board hopping and uh, helping out with the, the games. Michelle, this is always fun. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Randy. I'll see that you tomorrow. So yeah, here's oh, brought in flowers, maybe a bottle yeah. of wine for you guys. Yeah, or yeah. Well, cookies here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's to another <laughs> month. And that's our listener, Joshua, who leaves. Uh, oh, that's nice. Of him. Drops. He's, 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 he's great. great to send that into us. So nice. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.